just so great to see oh, all those that. faces. Thanks for being a part of it, everybody. Emily and Dawn and some of the former uh, worship leaders. It's um, it's great to to bring. And then and now we have uh, old Trey Hall with us uh, today. Oh, man, Trey Hall. Us <laughs> <laughs> hair and still that same old big head. <laughs> but a smile that lights up a room. That's right. That's right. <laughs> Well, I'm really excited about uh, today's kind of collaborative sermon. And so what we're going to do today is the four of us will be uh, sharing a little bit about our mission statement, Urban Village's mission statement, as well as doing some reflection on the passage that Emily read from Luke 10. Why don't we do a quick round of intros? Uh, we didn't talk about this, but um, let's, let's do that. So um, Hannah, why don't you kick things off? Who are you? Hi, everyone. I am Hannah Carden. I'm the teaching pastor here at Urban Village Church. If you talk about me, you can use the pronouns she and her. And I just couldn't be more happy to be celebrating 10 years of UBC. Um, I've only been around for the last four and a half of them, but they've been great. And I will invite Trey. Hey, y'all. I'm Trey. I was one of the founding pastors of Urban Village Church back in the day. Uh, but about five years ago now, it's crazy. It's been a half decade. I moved to Britain. Uh, with my husband Jonathan and uh, I'm now serving um, the British Methodist Church as the director of evangelism growth so I get to think about church planting but from a little bit of higher altitude uh, but I miss I miss y'all so much it's good to be back with you today and I'm going to hand over to Emily thanks got it um, <laughs> hi I'm Emily uh, I serve as the executive pastor and uh, if you talk about me can you the pronouns she, her, and hers. And uh, I, ca I came on board as a planting pastor to plant our Hyde Park Woodlawn location, um, which launched in 2013. Um, and so uh, it has been a wild and wonderful ride. Um, I'm going to pass it back to Christian. All right. I am the other co-founding pastor. And uh, oh, wait, got it. Um, uh, the co-founding pastor, and I'm now the pastor of Emerging Ministries for Urban Village, and I'm also a pastor of River Forest United Methodist Church, and my pronouns are he, him, and his. Um, so we've talked a little bit about dates here, and when I think about the beginnings of Urban Village, there are lots of dates that come into mind. Trey and I were talking about this well before 2009 even, but we kind of officially started on the ground in 2009, summer of 2009 and uh, we're doing all the things that a church planter does. Uh, and then we were starting to gather a crowd. So we had some kind of practice worships uh, late 2009 and decided to launch worship in March of 2010 in the South Loop. And then we launched our second site very quickly, uh, Wicker Park. So the 10 year birthday, actually with the Wicker Park site is really right around uh, today. And the Wicker, Park's, um, Wicker Park site, we launched our first Andersonville, later moved to Edgewater site in the fall of 2011. And then as Emily noted, we launched Hyde Park Woodlawn in the spring of 2013. And now we are looking at site five, uh, which I guess kind of officially became real this past summer. Uh, hey. and we're also exploring the potential of a, a site six with a particular <laughs> emphasis on the Latinx community too. Um, so that's kind of where we are. What we wanted to focus on today was our mission statement, which we say every week at Urban Village. We are here to create Jesus-loving, inclusive communities that ignite the city. Woo! Uh, <laughs> and some people may think that, so the core values of Urban Village, which hopefully you all know, bold, inclusive, and relevant, those were with us from the very beginning. 
But the mission statement really came about about five years in. And so we decided to really, let's reflect on where we've been and where we want to go. It was kind of a long process. Our vision team at the time uh, did a lot of work along with uh, Trey and I and other staff kind of putting that together. So that's been around for five years. So we wanted to take a look at that mission statement, do some reflection on how it informed where we were then and where we're going now. Uh, and so um, the first part of that I wanted for us to reflect on is that uh, Jesus loving and inclusive communities. I think that's one of the things that I'd like to think makes Urban Village a little unique that we really want to bring two of those uh, things together. Um, Trey, what when you think about those two things, especially in the early days when we were first getting going, what are some things that come to mind for you for bringing Jesus loving and inclusive uh, together? Of course, I remember that uh, that now famous um, we love ad campaign on the trains and the buses. Or we love LGBTQ folks and straight folks and believers and doubters and tattoos and suits. And I love, I think that's just continued to kind of expand over the years and people thinking about different people groups. Um, just sort of holding together the fact that, you know, it's because of God's love that by God's grace, we are inclusive. These things always, 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 always go together. And so when you know God's love is in Jesus, there is more and more, uh, more and more inclusion of more and more diff different folks. So yeah, that's that's the thing I think about. One of the first memories is that is that um, that campaign. And I also think about how, you know, it, it was really cool. I remember being on the blue line and seeing it for the first time up there and sort of standing underneath it and just being like, oh, instead of being, Kind of swept up by that this this idea that this church is holding together these things which often people don't put together but we thought it was just sort of a normal thing and actually it wasn't a new wasn't a new thing for us we think it's a really old old thing you know we love because god first loved us so it's it's an old deep ancient scriptural thing and we give fresh language to it but i remember the difference between like seeing it on the blue line and and seeing it across town and being sort of inspired by it and sort of feeling that in our bodies as we began to uh, practice that. And I think even though it was five, only five years later that we sort of talked about it as Jesus loving and inclusive, that evangelical evangelistic kind of energy has always been part of Urban Village Church. And I remember when it went from the, the message to a message that kind of inhab was inhabited in us. So I think too about those first pride marches. And, um, you know, I, when we were kind of making that explicit decision to move from being a group of people, a, a group of good, good, you know, faith people who walk down the center of the street and wave to people in the in the pride parade and said hello, you know. <laughs> and from that to like taking the message, printing out all those invitations that said we we love, God likes you, God loves you, and taking those messages to where the people were and engaging and saying something to them. So feeling that message on our own lips, uh, feeling what it's like to. Uh, to invite someone or to say God loves you, but also, I mean, I think evangelism is also kind of hearing the message of the gospel back from people that maybe you didn't expect. So as we were sort of high-fiving and blessing folks and hugging folks and saying God likes you, to hear people say back to us, God likes you, God loves you. Mm -hmm. Feeling, yeah, it's, it's the move from something that you already know or believe or see in your mission statement to like feeling it in your whole being. And I'll, I'll never forget when we got like, we were down, we were nervous at the beginning, but halfway down that parade route, you know, like people just filled up with the Holy Spirit. And one guy at the end sort of saying like at the end of the parade, like that was the most fun I have ever had in my entire life. Can we go back and do it again? And I was like, <laughs> this is what biblical 
evangelical joy is. This is Jesus loving and radically inclusive together. And I guess the good news is we do get to do it over and over and over again. We get to go back to the beginning of the root or go to the next root and, um, and find fresh language for this old, deep, beautiful thing. So I love that. I love that. One of the things that, that you're sharing reminds me of is how um, even if you do it again, um, it can still strike you in new ways. So like my third, probably like my third time marching in the parade, I was like halfway through, I started crying mm. as I was like hugging people. And I was like, God loves you. And people, I remember someone being like, she's a mess. But um, <laughs> I, I, I was just like overcome by just the beauty of the opportunity to to reach out to folks and share love in in this really unique um way and uh and so i was i and i was sort of like puzzled because i'm like oh this is like my third time you know marching in this in this way um but uh but just uh, like just because you've done it before doesn't mean that like the spirit doesn't move and speak in fresh and new ways um uh as you continue to make yourself available so that just really resonates with me well, it's so funny. As you were talking, I'm I'm thinking of people in the church who first heard about us at Pride, right? So I can like we now also know the middle, not the end, but the middle of those stories that it mat that I can see faces who we first met at Pride or at Black Pride or at Dyke March. I mean, that's the other thing is that it's also expanded where the community has evangelized us that we need to go more, like that we need to send out more pairs put people on more paths. And um, even before y'all chose that to be in the mission statement, it was so clear. Um, Christian and Trey, I don't know if you guys even know this, but you started UVC my first year in seminary. And I remember watching it and thinking, thank God, finally. <laughs> because, you know, I grew up non-religious. And when I converted, I went on Sunday mornings to this church with beautiful theology that taught me everything I know about justice and love that was completely stayed, had no emotion, did not teach me how to pray and never talked about my personal life. And on Sunday mm -hmm. nights, I went to a youth group where I could feel heat when people prayed and we talked mm -hmm. about math homework and we talked about dating and everything they said about God felt wrong. <laughs> and for mm -hmm. 10 years, I had been looking for, it, can you do a church that does both, not just one? And, and UVC was really the first time I saw, oh yes, like we can do both and I can do both. Um, so it, it just really matters and was really clear from day one. The nice thing about bringing up the pride parade too, Trey, is it, it, I think it really relates to the, the passage. This passage in Luke 10, <clears throat> there's the 70 or 72, depending on what translation you read. In Luke 9, Jesus had told the 12, I think when we think about the disciples, they think about here's the core of 12 who are going to go out and do these things. And so one chapter later, it's as if Jesus is saying, all right, 12 is not enough. It's a big harvest out there. We need more people uh, to go out and do this kind of thing, uh, which I think is a, another really wonderful way of saying inclusive, <clears throat> that Jesus is abundant and generous in saying more people are needed and I'm going to grab anybody I can in order to go out and share this message of love. Absolutely. I just like, it's not just about volume, right? It's about, I mean, I was just thinking about even the move from 12 disciples to 70 and then to all of us. It's not just more, it's more and different so you have mm. who are saying the kingdom of god is at hand or the this is something about god in, in a different accent with a different perspective all across the human spectrum and so it's just like you get volume but you get complexity and diversity and even contradiction and you're like yes this is actually the kingdom of god not just something you know 
so I just I, I love that that it's it, it expands and deepens. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, the other part of the passage in the mission statement too is it's Jesus loving inclusive communities, and that community piece has been important from the very very beginning. Some people may not know this. It's pretty rare, actually, in the church planting world for two people uh, to go out and plan something together, which is makes no sense. It made no sense to Trey and I because we felt like it, the Bible is replete with examples of people going out in twos. And we see that in the passage today. So we had the 70, but then Jesus sent them out in pairs. Mm -hmm. And I think that's a key to uh, that we do this out of community, that we don't do this as a Lone Ranger. We don't do this by ourselves, but we go out. Uh, as pairs, as five of us, as a hundred of us, uh, because there's strength in, in those kinds of numbers when we're uh, together. And I think about all the times we've done the Ash Wednesday um, offerings and ministries. Uh, every year we freeze our butt off when we're out there uh, <laughs> doing that. But I always, you know, we talk about we want to do it in two or three. And sometimes it's logistical because you need someone to hold the sign and everything else. But I think there's, it's much more than that too. Somebody is there with you and they may not say anything, but they're just there handing out the flyers uh, or whatever. And I remember Trey, one year you and I went out, I think it might've been the only time I ever did an Ash Wednesday station with you. We were always kind of doing at different stations. And you and I went to the Book of Mormon when the Book of Mormon was uh, playing in Chicago. And uh, you were always much more, I think, like, let's do it. And I was a little bit more, oh, I don't know if we should do it. Uh, <laughs> but we were standing at the entrance of the Book of Mormon and we're offering ashes to people and people are just like both puzzled and some people were into it. And then I had this memory, like you were literally like almost going out into the street. I think it was Monroe. And you're just like, ashes for everyone. And I'm like, what is he doing? <laughs> that gave me like, all right, well, I that gives me the courage to also, you know, be a fool for Christ, I guess. Mm -hmm. uh, and so that the Ash Wednesday uh, times always strike me when we think about community. It's, it's also nice too, isn't it? Because I can remember it, it, there were times when people on our team, not just pastors, but lay people said, hold on, <laughs> come back. Mm -hmm. uh, let's think about that. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> you know, energy is wonderful, but let's, let's, let's think more critically and deeply. And so it, it takes, it, it's, it's both, right? It's not just the, the, the one kind of energy, it's all those different energies. So, um, so yeah. Yeah, and the funny thing is that um, you were kind of mentioning, Trey, how, um, you know, the, the, that sometimes when you're building community and particularly when that community expands and grows more diverse in lots of different ways, like tension gets created and people kind of grapple with um, what they understood perhaps to be the truth, right? And they have to expand their imaginations and create space for um, ways of understanding that might not be uh, familiar to them. Um, and, but I also, I, 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 like as hard as that is and as off-putting sometimes as that can be for folks, particularly if they're thinking like, oh, church is a utopian and here's an inclusive church. So it's always gonna be perfectly inclusive in all the ways um, when they sort of are confronted with the fact that like, oh, an inclusive church and a church that pursues um, diverse expressions and understandings um, is actually like quite messy and sometimes unpleasant. Like that actually is what deepens community, right? Like that's kind of the paradox of it, right? Like the fact that like you can grapple together and really have a hard time and maybe not even like each other sometimes, but sticking with it and sticking through it, actually you come out the other end with a much deeper sense of connection to one another, as well as um, 
and a, a, a less fear, right? Less fear that I won't belong if I disagree. Um, that and less fear that like this whole thing's gonna fall apart if we, you know, get into it together. Um, and there's a real missed opportunity. So like then what gets defaulted to is sort of like church nights, right? Um, which is like not community, which is like community light, right? Um, so what does it mean to really do community in a deeper way um, that that is robust and, and faithful and, and reflects the the complexity of even the, the the communities that Jesus created, you know, in his own throughout his own ministry, um, and called called his disciples and followers to do the same with. Um, so I think about that's, that so yeah. much. Yeah, just like, it, and it you know I'm sure these pairs on the road fought. I'm, I'm positive, right? Because like the disciples did and first chapter of Galatians shows us that nothing is new under the sun. Like church people get mad at each other because human beings get mad at each other and it's hard to be a human being. And I think the desire for anything else is, is actually a desire for either you or the other to become less human. And it's, mm. it's not sad that we have conflict. It's it's so good because exactly as you say, it's an invitation to be more deeply and fully human with each other. Mm. I think so often people, um, you know, we've talked about some of the sort of innovative and outreach ways of being urban village and those are really public and those are really clear and I value them so deeply. But I think some folks, especially like when student pastors come in, they think it's all gonna be that and not gonna be the normal church stuff. But so much of my favorite things about urban village is that like, yeah, we still send meals to each other. We just also send meals to people who are depressed or people who had a breakup, not just people who had a baby, right? We still have potlucks and we still show up and we still call each other when things are hard and we still have fights over the budget um, because that is actually where you get to know Jesus Christ and where you get to know each other. Hmm. I think one of the things about multi-site, I actually don't know if this was your intention, Christian and Trey, but one of the things I love the most is that you get a lot of the advantages of being a big church in terms of what you can do together and how many different kinds of people you can know, but your community still feels like a small church. Like you can actually know people <laughs> and their names and their stories and, and, and that's where Christ shows up. But I think um, one of the, the gifts that's embedded into this um, mission statement is that even as we do this deep work internally, right? What that does isn't just for our own benefit, but that it sets us up and gives us deep roots in order to be present in the world in a robust way as well. That doesn't get overwhelmed by despair as easily or um, succumbing to kind of the cynicism that would very easily, um, that, that shapes so much of, of the world that we live in today. Um, but to say like, I'm gonna keep going out there not only to invite people into this um, way of, of life, but also to, to be of service and to um, ignite the city, right? For, um, for, for things like service and, and to pursue justice, to do that both downstream and upstream work um, that meets needs and also changes those levers and those structures that, um, that create th those needs as well. Um, Hannah, uh, you had some really beautiful things that uh, that you were kind of reminiscing before we started this uh, recording that um, I, I think would be really great for us to just celebrate and, and name as well. Yeah, I, I love the Ignite the City part of the mission statement. Both, it took me honestly like a year before someone pointed out to me that it's kind of a subtle joke about the Chicago fire <laughs> and Chicago history. Um, and I was like, whoa! <laughs> so that blew my mind but uh, but also like that's a really powerful idea for me in my own faith that like 
my faith and my community and my experience have been ignited. But I do think it's it's sometimes harder to label because for a lot of faith communities, um, when they think about justice and service work, they think about the one thing that the church has committed itself to and made happen, which is actually sort of prioritizing like the role of the church in the change. And one of the things I really love about UBC is that I think often our role is that we ignite people who then do more than they ever thought was possible. We ignite hearts in the context where they are. So it's not just that our communities are contextually um, rooted in neighborhoods, but that our people are contextually rooted in communities that aren't a part of UBC and they can be of, of change and influence there. So I do think about the work UBC has done, right? We have been um, huge parts of the work for ban the Ban the Box campaign in the state of Illinois, of uh, Grassroots Alliance for Police Accountability in the city of Chicago, of bringing an emergency room to University of Chicago, right? High Park Loan was a huge part of that. Edgewater has really helped out the crib and night ministry over time. Like those things are real. And I think about <laughs> Lola Corcoran and Heather Gresset, right? Like a chef who had an idea one day to take some extra food from her restaurant kitchen and give it to people who needed it. And then over the course of the next eight years, it has become a nonprofit called the Chicago Bridge Project that feeds hundreds and saves all of this food waste from downtown. That wasn't about us. That's about people's hearts being on fire and them following Jesus where they are. And it's just one of dozens of stories I can think of of people in the community who have changed their workplaces or who have changed their families or who have changed their lives outside of the church, right? That Monday through Saturday relevant thing we always talk about because of the rootedness in faith and community that they find in us. And, and that's what I love. Well, those examples too, really, again, tie the, I, I love when the disciples, Jesus instructions to the disciples are go into the city and he does talk about healing. He talks about proclaiming, but the first thing he says to do when you, have a meal with somebody, like sit down uh, at the table with them. And that's the, that's really the first thing that Jesus says to the folks when they, when they go out. And so I, I appreciate that you um, talked about Lola and, and what she does. And Trey, I, I know you always would often talk about the, not only that this is a, a really lovely party that we're a part of, uh, and that in talking about the, the table and the importance of being at table. And I know those were things that you've always talked about when you were at Urban Village, and I would imagine now in England, you're, you're doing the same thing now. When people are so surprised by our open table, by communion too, that I like it, I, I always have to remember. More suspicious. That, yeah, yeah, really, everybody, <laughs> everybody. Like, I think God's gonna change your life at this table. Why would I not let you come? It's communion. It's, it's, it's communion or the open table and then like testimony that were the things that I would mm. I'd always hear at the door. Like the sermon was, it was okay, it was fine. It was, <laughs> but God, that testimony, you know? Um, mm -hmm. that, and I think it goes back to what you were saying, uh, Hannah, about people knowing themselves loved and knowing themselves being changed by that love, the love of God. And, you know, what, what better a thing than to just let people talk about that and describe that. Um, yeah, it puts preachers out of a job. That's great. <laughs> well, right. And like, how many of you have had your lives changed because of a testimony you heard at Urban Village? You know, like I watch it happen. Somebody gives a testimony and then three people will come up to me afterwards, you know, about a therapist and people come up to me afterwards and say, oh, like I I'm allowed to go to therapy. Like, can you get me a referral? Or someone will talk about 
um, being black and in an industry that doesn't hold that. And somebody will come up to me at the end and say, oh, I'm also in that industry. And like, I'm also being discriminated against. I, you know, the, the ways in which testimony does more than any one person ever could <laughs> because it's all of us. Yeah. It's almost like Jesus was onto something when he talked in stories. I know. <laughs> <laughs> well, one of the things that I really appreciate too about kind of what was shared, especially just now is, is that like, this, this idea that um, Jesus sort of brings up when he's instructing the, the disciples um, as they go out to like bring the kingdom of God near. And um, I think it would be easy, particularly for folks who are in a kind of um, white Christian supremacist context, right? And particularly in the West to sort of have that lead you to a savior mentality of like, oh, what that means then is I have to go out and I have to I have to make all the things happen, right? When really, as we've just sort of shared, like the most powerful, impactful and profound ways that folks have been experienced, the, at least the beginnings of transformation is by like deep authenticity and rootedness and in, in um, understanding ourselves and, and how we um, are bound up in God's love um, and, and sharing that, right? And there's no, um, I think it's it's really easy. Many many of us, if uh, if you if you come from uh, the kind of evangelical background that I did, there's a, a strong sense of like, oh, you do all of this so that people will pray the prayer to accept Jesus in their hearts and minds and lives and whatever. And like, I don't think that's like totally wrong. I think there's like a weird twist about that. But but uh, you know, like we want to invite people into joining the movement, but the sole purpose is to help be, people be more fully alive and in love with God, right? And whether or not that takes the form of a specific prayer, believer's prayer, like, is not our responsibility exactly, right? And um, so I, I appreciate that because it, it sort of like changes the pressure points, right? Like, oh, I don't actually have to like force someone to do something or believe something, but but really what I have to do is show up, right? And show up wholly and then and then create space where other people can wholly show up. That's my mandate and my call. Um, and and I what I really the other piece that I appreciate about it is because, you know, at the end, like Jesus is like, well, if they don't, you know, like it, then just shake the dust, not just like shake the dust off your feet, like wipe it off, right? Like make sure you get every spot. <laughs> and like, you know, my uh unsanctified side would say like, yeah, that's right. You know, like that feels really good and like petty. But I actually think that like what, what uh, Jesus is trying to say is like, don't let that weigh you down, right? Like don't carry that with you to the next town that you go to, to the next relationship that you enter into, to the next table that you sit at, like let it go, like let it go and let it be what it was and um, know that you have done what you can do and just keep don't let that weigh down your spirit or demoralize you in a way that um, that really undercuts, you know, the energy, intelligence, imagination, and love that ha that God has gifted you with in the particular ways um, that that it shows up for you to continue to be that authentic person and create that authentic space. Um, Amen. So that, yeah, that's what has uh, as I as I think about one of the gifts of UVC is we create. You know, if there's anything that we do well, I think in some ways is that we kind of try to create that space um, for folks to show up wholly and, and say like, there's there's no shame in who you are, you know? Yeah, well, um, what a joy this has been to, to do all this reflection with you. And 
thinking about the early days with, with Trey and, and now being able to really do exciting ministry with, with Emily and Hannah, while still Trey and I touch base uh, every few weeks. And it's, it's great to see, I think that the seeds of what we started is Trey, would you say you're kind of trying to share some of those same seeds in England too, the same kinds of things that we did. And so it's been remarkable how this has just kind of spread as well. Sharing and, and listening and learning from, yeah. from Coach Stewart, you know, here, I think it's that, that mutual. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think the thing, one of the things that I'm, I mean, I think Urban Village is, is one of the most uh, significant things that's ever happened to me uh, in my whole life. And, um, and, uh, I, um, and one of the things that I find most uh, joyous um, uh, about Urban Village as a project, as a, as a community is, and this has been from the beginning and continues to be, is the way I've talked about it as like a holy centrifuge. So all these folks who have, you know, people come and, and, and uh, found community and found love of God and experienced that in different ways and then moved or, you know, and so to see like the, the actual map of not just student pastors or interns, but like lay folks who were there for a season and the way that they are in their new communities, um, making a difference and being apostles and, and knowing themselves sent uh in that radical inclusive love i just that's the thing that makes me like makes me feel the proudest that like it was never about any one group of people or any one set of leaders it was this it truly was about the, the kingdom or the realm of god you know this this expansive thing so i, I love that that's the thing i'm like oh yes yes so and it's it's wonderful to see that happening continue to happen yeah amen hannah emily any final things you wanted to say just, I think how grateful I am for this community. And when I think about the, all of the people, it, there have been a lot of times that people have asked UBC to grow or to be in a new place or to do a new thing because they think that we're magic somehow, right? And can like magically fix the church. And almost every single time we say no, right? Because we're sort of like, that's great. Like you, I think might be called to do that, right? Like you, you might be called by God to, but the couple of times we've said yes recently have been in places where people have been asking us for years for what we do and telling us they can't find it. And one of the biggest ones I think about, I mean, I just think every one of our pastors, every one of our lay people like could be a story in and of themselves. But I just was thinking this morning about Juan Pablo who's exploring, um, can we start a six site that's sort of Latin affinity for people who are second generation or queer like me. And Juan Pablo, I, <laughs> he left a Facebook, he left a comment on a Facebook post that Jason Dye, another lay person made about UBC and how much he loved it. And he said like, sort of that sounds magical. No way that exists. And I said, I, it does, I promise. Do you want to get coffee sometime? <laughs> and he came to worship and three years later is like living into a call from God and changing the world. And is like one of the best pastors I've ever known. And the church was sleeping on him for 20 years. You know what I mean? Like we didn't do anything. We just noticed what God had already done. <laughs> and, and that I think has been an experience that has happened thousands of times and that I hope happens a thousand more that God has already done so much in the world that the church refuses to see because of its own sin and oppression. And if we simply begin to see, that's all we have to do. <laughs> and I'm so glad that we're doing it.
Yeah, I guess the only thing I would say is like, um, I, I think sometimes we think of the kingdom of God as being something that's like big and out there. Um, and uh, I have to somehow strive for it um, when so much of what that is, is about cultivating that, that which is already within you and orienting that to um, Jesus's vision um, and statement and ministry um, in a way that is true to who you are. And that's exactly why Juan Pablo and people like Juan Pablo are able to serve with such um, profound um, grace and love is because the kingdom of God exists within us and our coming near to people and sharing that and creating space for other, others to show up fully is what it means to bring that and to make it near. Um, and so as I look to the next 10 years of Urban Village, um, it is my hope that we would find new ways to continue to do that work, um, not only for ourselves, but then to multiply that out, um, whether that shows up in, in London or Berlin, where I met a UVCer last summer, um, or Australia, where um, uh, Holly Joshi, who was once our, uh, our, our OG hospitality person at Hyde Park Woodlawn, um, Houston, Minneapolis, Milwaukee, you know, we could list the, the cities um, and, uh, and, and it is my prayer that we would continue to do that work wherever we find ourselves and give people, equip people with the confidence, the grace, the love, um, and the, uh, the, the, the uh, energy to be able to do that in the ways that show up and make sense for who they are. Amen. Thanks be to God. Amen. Uh, and to all of you watching, thank you. You're the ones who really have made this work. And so we're so grateful for all of you. Um, and so let's uh, continue on. We've got some great music still to come. Uh, and so thanks, everybody.